Hello listeners and welcome to CMI's Peace Talks. I'm your host Antti Emmälä, CMI's Communications Manager. In this show we look at the world through the lenses of peacemaking. We have conversations with both our own and other top experts on what it takes to build lasting peace in this unstable world situation. In the wise words of our founder, Nobel Peace Laureate Martti Ahtisaari, we believe that all conflicts can be resolved. This podcast is about how to do it. With big data, artificial intelligence and virtual reality, a fast technological revolution is taking place right before our eyes. On the battlefield, these new technologies paint a scary vision of the future. The world might enter the age of killer robots that would make war even more horrible. But what if these same technologies that make war would be used to make peace? My guest today is Antero Karvonen, who is a CMI's expert on the emerging field of peace tech. Great to have you here, Antero. Thanks, Antti. Fantastic to be here. So, Antero, um, let's start with some definitions. What do we mean when we talk about peace tech? Well, the first thing uh, I would say is that there is no strict definition. You cannot look up at the Oxford Dictionary and find uh, peace tech. Of course, you can find peace and you can find technology, but both are quite vague terms. So it's difficult to pin down. I'd say that at the moment it's uh, functioning as um, as a term that collects different sort of things together. It's a, it's a place where you can discuss uh, issues that pertain to to technology and to peace. And uh, I, I guess in general, new technologies. We say something to do with ICT, uh, social media, computer-driven, digital, that kind of stuff is, I think, a general way to characterize it. Uh, I would say that it's also, it's not uh, necessarily an inverse of uh, war technology. Although, of course, it, traditionally it has always been so that uh, the military industrial complex has been a major driver of new technologies. For example, the internet uh, began as a, as a military project. But uh, it's not necessarily so that you could say that there's a killer robot and then there's a mediator robot. It it, it doesn't really make sense. And I think that's uh, it's funny, but it's it's a crucial thing that needs to be remembered with uh, CMI's work is that uh, our work is uh, really quite human-centered. And uh, it's difficult to imagine that um, such things like building trust or, or these kind of things are better done by technology. Of course, they can be mediated by technology, but we, I think we need to be quite careful and re- remember that uh, it's a very human, human-centered human uh, line of work. Mm. But it's a versatile field, but at the end of the day, the, the goal is to promote peace, one could That's say. That's the goal, hopefully, yes. Yes. Um, but somehow, to me, it seems that this peace tech is sort of a new boss word in the peacemaking community. Um, is it just an empty shell or what kind of examples do you have of successful projects? Well, first of all, it's, it is a buzzword, but uh, a buzzword is not necessarily a negative thing. I mean, 
if you understand it, it's it's simply a buzzword. So, for example, artificial intelligence, big data, these are buzzwords. They collect together different kind of things. Some of them fit well with the with what's uh, meant by the term, and some don't. Uh, I would all, again highlight the forum-like uh, nature of the term. It collects people together on a, on a theme. Uh, but when it comes to examples, there there are some. Uh, for example, there's this uh, service called Live UA Map, which is originally it was made for the Ukraine uh, crisis situation, and it's a great example of how how data from uh, social media and other sources are collected and curated by uh, there's like an administration process, but then they're mapped onto a geographical map. So the idea has been to to be able to quickly identify when some uprising or conflict or acts of violence are occurring in different parts of Ukraine. Uh, later on, they have expanded to build it to a more general tool, including other countries, I think Yemen at least. Um, other examples, an obvious example is to use uh, uh, social media and uh, digital communications, internet in general, to facilitate larger dialogues for example, gathering opinions uh, for, uh, let's say, like um, a national dialogue process. If you want to engage uh, lots of people from different sectors of the society, sometimes digital technologies can really facilitate that. But um, of course, there's always a danger because not everybody uses digital media. It can bias the, the sampling of the people towards uh, young people who are obviously more inclined uh, to do to use social media and to use um, modern technology. Uh, uh, maybe a third kind of example I would highlight are analytical tools. So how you can assess things like impact uh, of, of conflict work or uh, analyze uh, the, the system, so to speak, in which the conflict is taking place, the, the conflict system as such. Uh, CMIS some experience on this actually and has mm. been doing it for well quite a number of years so it's not uh, none of these things are completely new it's been happening before uh, also mm. so you referred to cmi's work we work in the field of peace mediation uh, conflict prevention and conflict resolution um, are we already using this type of technology in in, in our work and if if so how much we are. Uh, it's a question also of definition. Do we think that using WhatsApp with conflict parties is an example of peace tech? I think it kind of is, but it's also so that it's simply a new technology. Everybody's using it, and we just have to use what's what everybody else is using as well. So that's not perhaps not the best example, but it's. Uh, it's an example where we use some technology that is new, but we're not necessarily using it strategically. So there's a difference. But when we're using it strategically, I think a good example might be, and this is a pretty old technique uh, or methodology at CMI, which is using uh, ideas from systems analysis to map uh, opinions of a group of people. So for example, at the workshop, uh, map out their opinions or measure their opinions with regards to certain uh, topics uh, and to assess them, for example, by uh, by the, their impact, if they would occur, 
and the likelihood of uh, them occurring. Uh, and then those are shown uh, on, a, on a visual map, which shows uh, the group, so to speak, consensus for the whole group. What do we think as a group about these issues? But it can also show how the opinions are varied among the different people. So it can show that, okay, we have a like a medium, impacted medium, a likelihood event, but some people are saying it's definitely going to happen, it's going to have a huge impact, and some people are saying the complete opposite. So the so you can see that there's very different opinions on particular issues, and that's very useful to facilitate dialogue, for example. Mm. So in that sense, uh, it's a useful tool to sort of uh, build uh, common understanding mm. and show the participants on what things they agree and uh, what sort of the common vision. Exactly, exactly, yes. Yeah, really interesting. Um, we talked about CMI, um, but in general, who are the main actors in this field of peace tech? There are our peer organizations, for example, everybody's um, at least interested in it. Uh, I don't think there's anything um, huge or major but there are some people using what they find useful. As I said before, it's a, it's a very human-centered. Uh, there's we use the term artisanal approaches. I don't know how well it translates, but some of our peer organizations are using it. Using it, and of course, UN uh, are are building a, a lab. It's called Until. Uh, United Nations Technology Innovation Lab, maybe off the mm. top of my head. But it's uh, still in the early stages. It's going to be based in uh, Otaniemi in, uh, in in Espo, so that's going to be quite good for us as well to have a uh, an uh, organization under a major organization really focusing on these issues. But it's still uh, taking time to get off the ground, so to speak. Uh, I think uh, in academia there has been some some work at least in Stanford University there's a peace innovation lab there uh, there is some Finnish discussion uh, discussion forum uh, gathering different uh, peer organizations together to discuss these issues uh, sort of just exchanging ideas and and trying out different uh, definitions and how do we see it and uh, and so forth uh, there's at least one uh, Finnish academic Uh, who's, who wrote the book called uh, Rauhankona, which is uh, a peace machine, I guess, mm. in uh, which uh, the idea was to use artificial intelligence to facilitate dialogue. So that the professor's idea is that a lot of uh, dialogue gets uh, sidetracked by misunderstanding and 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 how how could a machine translation facilitate the better uh, translation of meanings to different people. So mm. it's not only like <clears throat> different languages, but also the meanings behind the words so that uh, when people are talking about an issue, they mean the same thing. Yeah, those those come to mind. So there seems to be a lot going on in, in the field that um, requires cooperation as well, different between different actors. Uh, how do you see this in, 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 in CMI's perspective? Uh, Is there going to be more cooperation and what are we looking for sort of in the future? There's definitely going to be more cooperation. Technology, I mean, the field is so huge. Uh, technology itself, peace mediation as such, that uh, 
there has to be cooperation. Otherwise, it's not really uh, feasible to do it. We we don't have the funding to, for example, put uh, 50 people to work on on so, some technological issues and uh, or working on a specific case or a specific application for technology and peace mediation. So it's going to require. Uh, interdisciplinary cooperation across different fields done in a smart way uh, and we're doing it uh, we are well I don't want to go too much into details uh, but we are working with some very exciting uh, uh, well from from technology sector uh, on some really interesting applications but uh, it's maybe too early days to publicly announce anything but it's Probably going to be, if all goes well, it's going to be really great and uh, should be out uh, or we'll let you know when it's uh, mature, so mm. to speak. But in general, the the sort of uh, whole peacemaking community is putting a lot of weight to this uh, peace tech field. And it seems that for CMI as well, uh, it's going to be something more more useful in the in the future. Definitely. I mean, there's always possibilities in technology but there's also big risks in technology so I think at CMI we're really trying to be smart about this and, and kind of careful uh, so that we don't go tech technology first like in this kind of way that uh, okay we have some technology so we're just going to use it just because it's uh, popular today because these things come and go but I think we're trying to be smart about it, really careful about it, and do something that's really significant and useful. So we're, so we're putting more effort, I guess, in, in into really thinking about it and trying to build good uh, good partnerships that can uh, leverage, or, or where we can leverage our different uh, uh, assets or, or cap- capabilities in a, in a smart way. Mm. So. so Peace Tech offers a lot of hope um, for peacemaking, but how do you see the challenges? at the moment that are in the way of, of of success, so to speak? I think, well, our first challenge, I think, is that uh, we should be pretty specific when we, we... we I can give you a few examples soon about the general problems that can be thought about with uh, peace tech, but I think we really need to be specific when we want to discuss these issues so that we want to say, that, okay, when using... Uh, this type of uh, technology to facilitate this type of dialogue, dialogue in this context, uh, in this country, in this conflict situation with these stakeholders, with etc. We have to be specific to think about what are the problems involved with that. Uh, but in general, uh, just to say that, we, I mean, what do we want to use it for? Uh, are we using it to, for conflict analysis? If we're using it for conflict analysis, then different kind of biases can Uh, come to the models from from the sources of data used or the model as such. And if we have not consulted, for example, a wide uh, group of experts that are evaluating the, the technological uh, or the software model of a conflict situation, for example, then there can be all kinds of biases that get introduced into the into the into the model itself. So that's a that's a risk. Um, I guess in general, when we start to use more and more these kind of digital communications and technologies, even just email, uh, we run the risk of uh, or jeopardizing uh, confidentiality, confidentiality uh, and you know, in general, data security is a, is a general concern. Um, 
And I think maybe one more thing I might add is that it's clear that the social media and the internet have, are, are somehow changing the fabric of society and, and the way it operates. Uh, and we sort of need to understand from a, perhaps you could say it's like a soci sociological perspective and perhaps even a psychological perspective, how it's affecting people's uh, uh, opinions and, and how, how, for example, on social media, misinformation and disinformation and this kind of trolls and bots uh, can uh, influence per public perceptions of, of conflict uh, towards some agenda, or even uh, if we are actively mediating in some context and some party doesn't uh, want us there and has the technological c capacity to paint us in a bad bad way mm. or affect public perception of the peace process as such. Those are things that need to be considered and we need to be aware of when it's happening and have some kind of tools to mitigate uh, these kinds of things. So there's lots of things, but uh, we have to be quite specific when we want to discuss, discuss some issue. Mm. So it offers sort of uh, negative and, and positive sides. I mean, the technology itself can be used for good and bad. And you need to really mitigate these risks at the same time. And that's like just a general conceptual understanding of what we're dealing with. And uh, yes. Uh, what about funding? You referred to funding um, a bit earlier that there's a need for cooperation. Um, and as such, the field needs money. What about private companies and, and, and governments? Um, are they willing to fund this kind of uh, activity? That's a question above my pay grade, perhaps, but uh, just off the top of my head, I could see. Let's take a hypothetical example. When the type of situations we deal with are very complex and very um, serious and uh, urgent, and uh, if we are able to develop, for example, analytical tools together with companies, for example, who have certain expertise and we have certain expertise. And if those models become good enough so that they can be applied in a general way, then something that's possibly of value for the company has been generated. Of course, there's always difficulties of okay, can we still use this proprietary? Because I think there's a kind of an open source ethics involved with peacemaking, mm -hmm. definitely. So I think there's uh, possibilities, but the details are kind of, because we are in a different kind of world. I mean, mm -hmm. companies are care about, fundamentally about the bottom line. Uh, and we, we have a different kind of, uh, I, I, I don't want to say that the companies are not mm. ethical because they also want to uh, give money to good causes and it's nowadays uh, people find it important that companies are ethical. Mm. But uh, this kind of basic tensions can exist. But of course funding, I think, uh, let's take uh, Bill Gates Foundation, you know, thinking about it in a, from a Microsoft perspective. Mm. It's probably quite useful and brand aligned for certain companies, tech companies, to offer expertise or or just pure money. 
for projects such as ours because it's it's close to what they are doing and what we are doing is uh, ultimately for the for the common good and can be seen as uh, as um, uh, responsible governance from the company mm. Mm. but you wouldn't say that there's only sort of one one benefit for one actor so there are different benefits for for different actors so uh to make profits and business as well and to sort of make a better world mm. yeah and uh, it depends on how you think i mean if if the company wants to if it's like a large company that uh, wants to make business in a particular conflict situation uh, that's the way you can do it if if peace if the society becomes more stable if we can prove and uh, measure our impact how we're making a difference in the in the situation uh, it it gives much more openings for for companies to emerge of course we will never uh, be somehow in <laughs> facilitating some some kind of a business relationships between countries and, uh, and so but uh, yeah Mm. It can have different applications mm. at the end. So just to finish with, let's imagine a little bit. Um, at the beginning, I referred to war and peace technologies. Um, so let's imagine a little bit. Um, every day, billions of dollars are spent on arms. And uh, at the same time, peacemakers is peacemaking is largely underfunded. Um, what would you say? What What would happen if the same money... Um, was used to technologies that make peace. Well, uh, obviously, if we take money away from conflict, uh, conflicts become less. But that's a joke. I mean, uh, the general point I think is that technology can be used in different kind of ways, and uh, peace mediation is ultimately quite small field, especially compared to arms deals and, and conflict. I mean, war war business, so to speak. And uh, if some technological tools, even quite modest tools, perhaps, uh, with relatively perhaps modest funding, we can make some kind of breakthroughs, which if they're available to those who are working with peace in one way or another, and uh, it makes their work better, more effective, uh, where they can uh, track their success Better. This is a not notoriously difficult problem: how to track impact in these kind of conflict situations. So, if we can do our work better, even with modest increases in funding, I think all the better. Thank you, Antero. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to CMI's Peace Talks with Antti Amela. If you like our show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. You can also send us feedback and propose topics to discuss via social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or by sending email to comms at cmi.fi.